What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and as always, I'm joined by Lennon Burton. Lyndon, how are you doing this week? Doing well, man. We got a big episode for the people this week. We got to talk about WandaVision finale. We got to talk about the MCU going forward. And then we got our top 25 actors of all time. Discussion begins today with 25 through 20. Ooh, this was hard to make. Yeah, it's hard. Number 25 is, you know, a, a low number when it comes to like who we consider it and to be someone that really uh, what tilts the needle for us when it comes mm-hmm. to movies, uh, who puts up good acting performances, uh, who do we feel like in some ways is a, a staple to a movie, someone that can elevate a movie's level yep. just by being in it. There's a lot of like, things that I took into consideration. Like, yeah, movie stardom is something I considered, but it wasn't high. Acting, affecting the movie. If you replace this guy, could you replace him with someone else and the movie still work? There was a lot of factors that went into me ranking these people. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to the, the actors we'll discuss today, it's a lot. It's going to be a lot of the the butts category. It's like, well, he's you know, I think he's great, but, but yeah, he's not not this. He's not that. He's not this level. He's not uh, established enough yet. It was net more of a supporting guy, not a lead guy. That's going to be one of my people. I and, got a, uh, I got two character actors in here, man, and like they're great. Okay, but. But it's like, yeah, I'm interested to see where you go because we didn't talk about who we put. We each have our own list. And I'm excited to just have this discussion. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some people that are going to be on your list that was in like my brainstorm list. And then when it came down to like the final stuff, you just kind of like, who can I think I can I can talk up well enough? Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like this was the hardest stretch, the, the, the back half. It was. Like it's easy to do your top 10. Mm-hmm. But once you get past ten, that 10, it's like, well, well my you know, girlfriend was mad at some of my picks. Like, I, I know that this person and this person both deserve to be in like a top 25 list. But, you know, are they uh, closer to the 15 mm-hmm. to 10 or are they closer to the 20, 25? It's, it was tough. It was and, you know, it was it was a pretty bum week of stories <laughs> so we'll get we'll get through that um we're gonna go through those fast th- this is kind of the lull patch of march i mean there's still some really good stuff on tv and streaming to watch but like but everything we're, we're starts not, off next week yeah every, everything pops off next week and um and that's you know kind of what i'm gearing up for man i'm just ready for that falcon winter soldier on march 19th look march and april are going to be jam-packed for both this show and anime talk there's my hero season five dropping there March 27th. This oh my God. There's Falcon winter soldier. There's invincible. There's some movies dropping. Yeah, invincible. Yeah. There's so much stuff dropping between March and April. It's going to be loaded and I'm going to ha- be glued to my TV screen constantly. Yeah. I mean, there's some really great stuff coming on streaming. The movies are really going to be great. Uh, TV's, jumping into some new seasons of some stuff um well my movie on the rise uh, talking about a special that just happened the day we were filming this mm-hmm. um so like Mortal Kombat's about to drop yeah Mortal Kombat is about to drop it's not April April first like first two weeks of April yeah. it's gonna be out April 11th 
So like it, right, April 16th. So we're right around the corner. And then Kong versus Godzilla, I believe, is about to drop. The end of the month. So like, yeah, this month is is act. But yeah. we're doing my movie reviews next week. So if y'all want to get ready and watch them, watch the movies that we're gonna review next week. We're yeah. Badland and um the Frank Grillo Hulu movie. 15 minutes in No Man Land. I had a text on and I was like, I don't have to watch this today, do I? <laughs> it was sad. It, I like I see what the point of the movie is 15 minutes in mm-hmm. and I just don't I'm just not into it. Mm, <laughs> it's not saying. it's not one of your it's not one of your types. But do you see why it's an Oscar movie? No. Oh, damn, we're going to have that's to discuss like a, that next that, week. That's a discussion that I feel like we would need to have next week when we do have that. I'm I'm going to do a little bit of research on Oscar movies and like look up Oscar movies that have come out like maybe they'll say the next the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And what what of those movies actually are watchable in my opinion mm. like which of those movies like you know they could be stylistically and artistically great like the artist for example but mm. I, i'm never gonna watch the artist yeah never yeah that's like ray like I, and the only reason why i'm bringing up ray is because i'm i was looking to see where i'm putting jamie fox and like ray's a great movie but like i don't think i'm ever watching that again oh jamie fox is a good point that might actually bump one of my people <laughs> well look jamie i'm not you got to look. We know. It. With that being said, let's get into this week's show whenever you are ready, sir, because we got, I'm excited for this discussion. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to get into it, so let's get started. So Netflix is big spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are going to acquire the Christian Bale gothic horror thriller, The Pale Blue Eye. Uh, which will reunite the actor with director Scott Cooper. Um, this movie, which Cooper has always wanted to make for more than a decade, revolves around the ad- attempt to solve a series of murders that took place in 1830 at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Bale will portray a veteran detective who investigates the murders, helped by a detail-oriented young cadet who will later become the world-famous Edgar Allan Poe. This sounds dope. I'm very interested in this. They should get Timothy Chalamet to be Edgar Allan Poe. I feel Why like that, that would just be beautiful. Have him and Christian Bale in there together. Either way, however this goes, I'm all into thrillers. I'm all into mysteries. And Christian Bale's one of the best actors of all time. Yeah, I feel like um, getting Christian Bale on this, you know, he'll definitely be somebody we talk about maybe a couple episodes down the line. Yeah, not this week. Definitely not. not. this week. Um and, you know, anything that he's in, I'm definitely interested in. What I really want to know next is who's going to be cast in this Edgar Allan Poe role. Is it someone like a Timothy Chalamet, big name, or is it going to be someone young and up and coming? So I, I think that's going to be a main part of uh, how this movie moves forward, because that's going to be a pretty big role. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100 percent. And I'm just interested to see how they fill out the cast. Yeah. But it's definitely a really interesting story, and that's why I put it up on the top end. It's got and it's Christian Bale, and I, you know, because yeah, you got to realize the army it. covers up a lot of murders. Like, if you know what's going on in Fort Hood right now, like there's been a series of murders going on in the army right now, and they never like release it to the public. And the army has a hard time getting that shit out of there because the army takes care of their own. So this will be a good insight into that. Definitely, definitely. Um, but let's run into the trailers. We only got three of them. I didn't see the third one. So let's start with City of Lies. What, City of Lies of is basically the Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker movie. Johnny Depp is playing the lead detective who is, in, who is investigating the Biggie and Tupac murders. Only problem with this is for me is 
the case never gets solved. So it's going to be one of those Zodiac things where they're going to give a bunch of who it possibly could be and let the viewer choose for themselves. This is either going to be really good or going to be a straight to DVD style movie. Because when you watch the trailer, it's, it's a very interesting stylistic choice. But, you know, Johnny Depp, Forrest Whitaker, two good actors. Gonna be interested to see how this goes, but it's a Netflix movie, so we're gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, this movie was made three years ago, mm-hmm. so it's, it's been floating around for a while. So we'll see what. But it's like what you said: if if you know kind, if you kind of know how it's supposed to end, then you know. Especially if you've seen all the documentaries, all of Notorious. There's just so much Biggie and Tupac content out there. And yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking well. about that documentary about the detectives and stuff like that, and more so, they just felt a little bit incompetent. So I'm just mm-hmm. like wondering, are are and at the, at the end of this movie, are we going to be like they, oh Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker, they did what they could do, or are we going to be like these guys didn't do shit? Because that's mm-hmm. how I felt about the real life thing. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see City of Lies. Y'all check out that trailer. All right, but uh, the next one I have is The Serpent. That's a Netflix series that is coming uh, coming soon. Um, it pretty damn interesting. It did look pretty interesting. It's about this guy who is murdering people in Robin. Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main guy is uh, Tahar Rahim, who's been getting a lot of uh, recent buzz based on some of his other roles. Um, and he's he's pretty much the the main draw actor. Yeah, he's the star but of it. it. The twisting real-life story of Charles Sobrage, a murderer, thief, and seductive master of disguise who was, hidden, who has, who was a hidden darkness in the mid-'70s in Asia's hippie trail. Mm-hmm. So. Going to be very interesting. Going to France, going to Europe, Jack as a gym seller, jacking these people's money, poisoning them, killing them, and then hiding their bodies all, all across China and Asia. And people are like, where is he at? And Interpol can't do shit. Yeah. So I thought this was a really interesting uh, concept. You know, the serial killer genre is a huge one at the moment. Everyone is is all in on it. So what's, what's good when you do these serial killer dramas is you tell a story that not a lot of people understand mm-hmm. like you know when you did the Zac Efron Bundy it's hard to do that because everyone knows those stories really well but this guy I've never heard of him no one knows um about so th- this could be a really interesting story to be told I agree 100 percent um the last trailer is one that is gonna scare me when I go to sleep at night it's them Look, it's an Amazon show I love seeing African Americans jumping into horror I think Jordan Peele kind of started this boom but this movie looks better than us this movie looks frightening it's created by lena waith and little charles lena waith is known for um writing for master of none writing for her show the shy she was in um ready player one she's just uh, this versatile actress who is just multifaceted multi-hyphenate director writer producer actor lena waith so i'm excited for this there are they I, i literally was watching i was like oh are they gonna show the clan and like, is the clan going to be part of this horror? Clan comes up, but it's even, it's deeper than that. There's so much just crazy shit going on. There's a blackface clown. All this shit just looks fucking terrifying. Right, so like, I'm, I'm never excited to watch horrors, but I'm excited to watch this one. Yeah. I, I want to say like, it has to do with moving into Compton. 
Yeah, it's like it's like the first time black a black family moves into this white neighborhood, and the white people yeah. are fighting back. They yeah, it looks want, it looks. They don't want these black people living in their in their subdivision. So it looks weird, man. Straight weird. Yeah, Another Amazon crazy. Amazon original. It's gonna be a ten episode series that premieres on April 9th. Amazon's killing it, man. Shout out to them. We're definitely gonna be checking that out. But next up, we got the flight attendant star Michelle Gomez was cast in Doom Patrol season three. Gomez will star as Madame Rouge, described as a complicated, electrifying, eccentric who arrives at the Doom Manor with a very specific mission. If only she can remember it. It's going to be interesting because Madame Rouge has very similar powers to um, um, Elastigirl. Elast, yep. And so it's going to be very interesting to see if she's finally taking on her hero motif and how she's going to have to battle Madame Rouge. And I, I wonder if this is leading to the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil. Yeah. Um, this actually makes me want to get back into Doom Patrol. Same. Um, Michelle uh, Michelle Gomez did a phenomenal job in the flight attendant. She was um, very menacing with her presence, coming in as Mount Am Rouge. If you remember uh, from Teen char- Titans, yeah, a character that I do remember from the Teen Titans, um, which makes me excited. You know, bring in some familiarity to this. Like, you know, that was the thing about Doom Patrol is you don't really know a lot of the people that are being played in this besides Cyborg, mm-hmm. and uh, you know bringing in another villain that's or we don't even know if she's a villain yet but i assume she is assume based, based on michelle yeah. gomez and based um, on just everything we know about madame rouge in yeah. the comics yeah she's probably gonna be a patsy one of those people who is like trying starting off is good and there's gonna be a betrayer working for the brotherhood of evil that's how something I see like it. that i feel like she and rita are gonna be friends mm-hmm. and then like there's gonna she's be a, a betrayer yeah same yeah. I, i'm with you on that so yeah no this is this is making me want to finish season two and get into season three so many people have told us we were tripping for not finishing season two so now we're gonna do it you know so i'm excited to see what comes up next up we got new line won an auction for class for classified a pitch that john wick director chad stohisky is attached to direct his he he project is his project his project yeah you got it messed up in the notes his project is a high octane thriller that was shot as Die Hard meets Indiana Jones. It is set in a top secret government bunker that kind of that the kind that's at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The bunker contains relics covertly recovered during World War II, and they turn out to be more powerful and dangerous than ever imagined. Sounds interesting. Yeah, this is gonna all be dependent on the cast that it that comes together for it. Mm-hmm. But the concepts are really interesting. Um, you know, just imagine. A, a bunker like that and we all know that from raiders that you have like the ark of the covenant covenant so imagine what other kinds of crazy things Amen. that you could find yeah. in one of these governor government bunkers you know i'm I'm imagining like you know you could find ufo stuff, ra- alien ufo stuff. alien stuff you know stuff that the nazis put together the uh, invention wise stuff that america put together invention wise because you know thinking about other sci-fi um fantasy shows that have to do with world war or world wars you know wonder woman and captain america you know you could have like some, some kind like of some Olympic, crazy yeah. steel stuff or mm-hmm. shields or you know yeah i mean you have thor's hammer there bro it could be anything anything so i think that's a really cool idea it's all for me it's going to depend on Who's who they put team? around yeah. it yeah also john wick's people are getting a lot of work this is one of them. Derek Kolstad, a uh, member of John Wick's uh, team, I believe he was the former director or one of the writers. 
he's now in uh, talks that he is developing a live action show for Amazon that is going to be anime related. He's doing the anime version of Helsing. So that's going to be very interesting. Mm. Amazon's already got Helsing on lock now and Promise Neverland. They're jumping into anime live actions. I just need to see a trailer from one of these, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, whoever's doing it first. I need to see a trailer to see if they're doing it right. But I have the only more one in Amazon than I do in Netflix. Yeah, the only one that I've heard that I think is very manageable, 100% manageable, is Promise Neverland. Like, you can do Promise Neverland. Promise Neverland reminds me demons, of, like, a, the demons are going to be difficult, but, like, we've seen through enough things yeah. that you can make them look, and they're, and they're not even that huge of a part. Like, well, it's very... They are later, not season okay. one. But la- like when they, when they expand the story, they're very, like, re- very relevant and always in there. But but like one one like uh, movie connection to tie in to people who don't know much about Promise Neverland kind of think about Maze Runner. Mm-hmm. You would say that that's accurate. Uh, I think that's a pretty good fair comparison. Maze Runner meets Stranger Things meets The Goonies essentially. Essentially, yeah. So, but also I think Helsing's gonna be very manageable for them because Helsing is basically he is this hitman that works for this organization that basically takes out demons. Uh, uh, humans that have been infected by ghouls and basically it's him versus this guy who's a, ca- a Catholic preach, preacher named uh, Anderson and they're both taking out these ghouls and they both end up having to fight each other and Helsing works for this this woman who is like this old family uh, that has been like this organization that has worked for governments for years so it's very manageable because America has done yeah. what vampires, this is their bag, just like Cowboy Bebop should be their bag, so it's going to be Interesting to see how they handle this live action. But One Piece Naruto, yeah, you could forget about that shit. Um, well, moving into our next story, Natalie Portman and Lupita Nyong'o are set to star in a limited series adaptation of Laura Lippman's book, Lady in the Lake, for Apple TV. The series will be directed by Honey Boy director Alma Harrell. The series takes place in the 60s Baltimore, where an unsolved murder pushes housewife and mother Maddie Schwartz, played by Portman, to reinvent her life as an investigative journalist and sets her on a collision course with Cleo Sherwood, played by Nwango, a hardworking woman juggling motherhood, many jobs, and a passionate commitment to advancing Baltimore's black progressive agenda. This will be both actresses' first lead TV role. Just shows how, where streaming is going and how with prestige, and this makes Apple TV even more prestige, but with things like Apple TV, HBO Max, Amazon, all these actors, all these big name movie stars are up. I see them yeah, as being up for TV. As now. great as the movie industry, much, is, I think you know theaters the TV industry is what is kind of leading leading the force. And I think for a lot of people, uh, what you what TV show are you are you watching at the moment is a lot more important of, than did you see this X X movie. So I, mean, I shoot, think Al Pacino was in a TV show that just should well, I mean, been like a fair game for anybody. It's that, and then you know, even thinking about the list that we're doing, uh, some of these actors, the ones that have at least gone into TV a little bit, have really pushed themselves more by showing that they could do that. And, mm-hmm. there, and then there's some names like Adam Driver, who, when you think of, talk about his whole filmography, you have to talk about the work that he did on TV because it was very incredible and started his entire career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important. It just yeah. depends on what the story is like is it gonna be like is this baltimore woman uh and does the murder happen to her family 
or are both Natalie Portman and Lupita Nyong'o searching to solve this murder? It's going to be very interesting to see how this goes, but it could be good. Yeah. Both great I mean, actresses. Yeah, I think it, it'll be pretty good. Apple TV is pretty much land in most of its series. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of one that a lot of people are saying is bad. Besides, the, like the only one I can think of is C, but even people are saying C is pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would tell you that C is one of the better ones. So, yeah, no, I know. So that's what I'm saying. So like Apple TV is is moving up there in terms of like where we should rank them in terms of quality. Yeah, lucky for them, they picked up that Ted Lasso Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. That kind of just, you know... Boosted them some more. Boosted them a little bit more, boosted some credibility into them. Um, but uh, next, we have Elle Fanning. She's being cast in Francis and the Godfather, which we've talked uh, about before. The project about the making of the Godfather. She's going to play Ally McGraw. And Ally McGraw was married to Paramount's head of production, Robert Evans, who will be played by Jill Hall. Nice, cool. Getting some more stuff with that. Interested to see who's going to play Francis Ford Coppola. So, you know, going to keep... I, th- I think they announced that. They might have. Let's see. Here, I, I got that. Go ahead. Because when I was reading this, they had said who was... uh Yeah, uh, Oscar Isaac is Francis Ford Coppola. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's dope. And, and Elizabeth Moss is, is, is Eleanor Coppola. Okay, cool. All right, well, yeah, that's a that's a win. All right, so, all right, next up, we got Dominique Fishback from Judas and the Black Messiah. We'll star alongside Samuel L. Jackson in The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, Apple Studios adaptation of the best-selling novel by Walter Mosley. Jackson is starring as Ptolemy Gray, a 91-year-old man forgotten by his family, by his friends, and even by himself. On the brink of sinking even deeper into a lonely dementia, Gray experiences a seismic shift when he's given a tremendous opportunity to briefly regain his memories and use this precious and fleeting uh, lunacy to solve his nephew's death and come to terms with his past. Fishback will star as Ryan. Uh, Robin, a friend of the family who helps Ptolemy. Sounds like Apple TV going for the Oscars or going for the Emmys. Yeah, big time. This seems like a This a seems really... big for Samuel Like really yeah, flexing his acting chops. Yeah. So, you know, this could be... I, I don't think he made your list, but he didn't make my list. And so, no, not this week. Yeah, so, I, you know... Samuel L. is definitely someone who is really looking to like cement himself in in this like well, greatest yeah. actor discussion. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And speaking of the greatest actor discussion, another one: William Defoe is in discussions to co-star in Starlight in Film Four's Poor Things. Yorgos Lanthimos adaptation of Alastair's great novel. Emma Stone is in talks to star with Lanthimos on board to direct the film. Will be a Victorian tale of love, discovery, and scientific dating. Poor Things tells an incredible story of Belle Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by an eccentric but brilliant scientist. It's unknown who Defoe will play at this time in the film. This is basically like another version of Frankenstein. Pretty much. All right. Well, you know, whatever. Boom. This seems well, like a potential dud. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm wondering, like, if uh, if Emma Stone is, you know, being brought back to life, is Defoe going to play this the scientist um the scientist or is he playing something else and if he's not playing the scientist and scientist is not played by one of your main named guys like how much does that person have a role and then, yeah. like what is it more of emma stone what she does with her second or is the director yorgos lathamos playing the scientist maybe maybe yeah, i don't know we're gonna have to wait and see but you know this could be cool the next story i'm actually excited about <laughs> elizabeth banks look at you you was complaining about power rangers now you got something good. You kept kept grinding, kept grinding, now we're here. 
Oh, wait, what was it? Power Rangers or Charlie's Angels? She was. Oh, yeah, it was Charlie's Angels. You're right. Charlie's Angels, not Power Rangers. It was Charlie's Angels she was bitching about. But Elizabeth Banks has found her next directorial project with a bear centric thriller that has Phil Lord and Chris Miller set to produce. The project is Cocaine Bear, which is inspired by events that took place in Kentucky in 1985. The true story, as reported in 1985 by the New York Times, was that 175 pound black bear consumed the contents of a duffel bag filled with more than 70 pounds of cocaine that was dropped from an airplane by a local drug smuggler, Andrew Thornton. The bear was later found dead on an apparent drug overdose. I assume this is going to be an exaggeration. I assume this bear bear. is going to start killing people. Is the bear going to be animated? Uh, Or are they going to be a real bear? It depends on how much money they're getting to put into it because you can do revenant bear or you could do like CGI bear. Ed Bear <laughs> and make it a comedy. I'm just interested. Oh, wow. That's a, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Like you could do fo- like Ted Fozzy Bear style comedy it where he's doing cocaine a whole night or you can make it serious where it's like a real bear go- doing cocaine and just starting killing people. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's going to be more of the latter. If you did go the comedy route, I don't think that they would do like a Ted or a Fozzy Bear, someone that's recognizable, even no, though it'd be its own style. I'm just saying, even though that's the type that I would do. An adult, an adult Muppets with Fozzy Bear, Rail, and Coke would be really interesting Hilarious. and something that people that uh, the Muppets need to consider. 100%. Yep. Hit us up for the yep. pitch. <laughs> Spoilers for Mass Singer Watchers, but Kermit the Frog was unmasked today, so we know the Muppets are trying to come back. <laughs> oh, man. But that's all we got on Elizabeth Banks. I'm interested in this. Plus, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. That's what I'm saying. The team just seems it's like it's funny. comedy. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I still think like if you took a real bear and did the whole cocaine thing and like made it a little bit menacing, you could still make it kind of funny. Like, True. Sort of like how you have those comedies that where people die, you know, yeah. I'm thinking more so like the dead don't die with Adam driver and Bill Murray, where like people are dying all around them, but they're still cracking jokes kind of thing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So know. something like that. It's just gonna be, we just got to see the direction of it. Now, one thing that I don't think will be very funny, no, just mainly just because of my skepticism. Boo. We can just boo the next two stories. Um, Nickelodeon has given the official series green light to SpongeBob SquarePants spinoff, the Patrick star show. Nick has ordered 13 episodes of the animated series centered on SpongeBob's best friend, Patrick Starr, voiced by Bill Fagerbake. Per Nickelodeon, the Patrick Starr show follows a younger Patrick Starr living at home with his family, where he hosts his own show for the neighborhood from his television-turned-bedroom. His little sister, Squidina, works behind the scenes to make sure Patrick's show is always running smoothly, while his parents, Bunny and Cecil, and his grandpa, Grandpat, each support Patrick in their own hilariously absurd ways. The Stars family's unpredictable adventures often inform, integrate, and sometimes even interfere with Patrick's TV show. But one thing is for sure, his bizarre life is always makes for great television. Steven Hillenberg said not to do this. He said not to do this. The creator of SpongeBob said, respect my wishes and leave my property alone once I'm dead. And Nickelodeon is just trampling all over that. He did not want them to do this. No, it, it, you know, I know SpongeBob isn't like, you know, some stay the true canon, but like this doesn't work in the canon of SpongeBob. Well, no just Camp Coral. So, like, that's the thing. Like, all the stuff that they're doing with SpongeBob doesn't work within the canon that the was laid out by SpongeBob. So it's just like, <sighs> what are you doing? Trash. They're just trying to make money. And I hope people don't support this. I really do. Because the creators, said before he died he didn't want any of this to happen if i created something and i died 
you better be damn sure I, I, I want people fighting for me not to have my shit trampled on. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just doesn't... It's like if the Rugrats coming back or whatever, they decided that they were going to do, uh, you know, a Chucky Finster show where, like, Chucky was his age and, like, had nothing to do with anybody else and, he like, just did his own town. thing. Yeah, like, it just makes no sense. So, you know, trash. Boo, Nickelodeon. This is a horrible decision. Yeah. Um, and then the next it horrible decision. They have no... They just, it, they just shows they have no creative people. Like, go hire some new people, make new shows. Like, why are y'all sticking on these same things? That's why Cartoon Network has been better than y'all for decades. Because Cartoon well, Network is getting the young people and getting new people to make new stories. They're not making K and D two. They're not making another Dexter. They're not. They tried Powerpuff Girls, but they realized that wasn't good. They made Craig of the Creek. They're making new shit. Nickelodeon has not made new shit in so long. No, or not, not anything that anyone really cares about. That pops. Because it's not good. Um, you know, if you wanted to dive into SpongeBob and like do spinoffs and stuff like that, you know, I think that they could have done, you just take little characters or like little bits that they did and like expand on it. And like you could do uh, a show centric to like the King Neptune that was in the movie. You can do like a Larry the Lobster show, you know, or like a show that's centered around like some of the side characters of SpongeBob. Like, you know, you see Larry interact with like Pearl or like, you know, just like, or, you know, or you could just do a mermaid, mermaid man and Barnacle Boy show. Like that's the one show I always thought that they could spin off and do it. Like mermaid man and Barnacle Boy in the, the early years. Yeah. yeah. No, 100% is just bad decisions by Nick. Cause Patrick and SpongeBob were always best friends. Like it doesn't make any sense. Well, and we've met Patrick's family before. He doesn't have a sister. Mm-hmm. doesn't have a grandfather. He didn't really know his mom and dad. The people that were represented in the show as his mom and dad were fake. So it's like... Trash. Trash, trash, We've trash. already explored Patrick's backstory. Trash. Right. And the next one I'm just perplexed by. Yeah, this... The, this uh, one is trash. The next one I'm just confused. Yeah, we've talked about it before that they're doing a live-action Powerpuff Girls That's on the great. CW. It's gritty, and, and they, uh, they don't want to be superheroes anymore. And they're just gritty. Yeah. They found their three leads. Yanya uh, Yana Peralt is someone that I couldn't even find on. She's going to be IMDb. Buttercup. She's Buttercup. Uh, Chloe Benet is going to be Blossom, Blossom, and Dove Cameron will be Bubbles, which I actually Yo, think is a good casting. Chloe Benet, I, think, I thought you were better than this girl. Why are you that's, to CW? Like I, I thought after Agents of Shield, it was like time for you to blow up. Same for you, Dove Cameron. Aren't you sick of doing like Disney CW shit? Like I just thought they were better than this. No, this is perfect for Dove Cameron. Like this is Dove Cameron's bag. I, I thought Dove Cameron was gonna progress you, but I'm not gonna lie. I thought she was gonna get out of this type of shit. Um, no, I mean, but definitely Chloe Bennett. Can you even name the stuff that Dove Cameron did in no. Channel Time? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, this is perfect for Dove Cameron. I thought this was actually tremendously good casting for on the part of the Powerpuff Girls to cast Dove Cameron in that role. But uh, as bubbles, just like what you doing, girl? You could, yeah, but yeah, that that was my first thought too. I was like, Chloe Benet, like you were the star of Agents of Shield, like you weren't even like a side side character. Like, bad, what are you doing? I I just don't know. I just don't know. I'll watch the first episode to see how it is, but if it's anything like Supergirl, I'm turning that shit off fast. Oh, it would be great if that's a compliment if it's Supergirl. I think it's gonna be worse. Supergirl's the worst CW superhero show that ever existed. Well, the first season was actually on CBS, which is mm. why it's even worse because it went from CBS to CW because it was so it's bad. either Supergirl or season one of Batwoman. 
Yeah, probably season one of Batman is probably the worst. Because Supergirl's really bad. But all right, next up we got Steven Spielberg is coming out to direct an untitled pick at Amblin Pictures. That's loosely based on his childhood growing up in Arizona. Insiders say that Michelle Williams is in negotiations to be to be a role inspired by his mom, but with a separate and original voice. What is the story? I was just about to say the same thing. I don't like when people are making movies about themselves. Shia LaBeouf made sense. <laughs> this does not. That's well, and Shia, LaBeouf's, and Shia LaBeouf's movie was not straight adaptation either. It was like, this is like a rough generalization of what my life was like. This, Loosely I just, exaggerated. I would rather Steven Spielberg wait till he was gone, wait till he stopped making film, films or wait till he died or I don't know. They, he shouldn't make the film about himself. But I just don't ever remember hearing anything about Steven Spielberg that, that like, made me think that was like, oh yeah, we need the Steven Spielberg biopic or like the Steven Spielberg. The only Spielberg thing that I know story. is, did he like go on on one of these sets and like back when you could like sneak into Hollywood and become a director? Maybe something know. like that. But other than that, like I don't know if this is interesting, but he's one of the best directors of all time in the like he's top five of all time. He invented the blockbuster, so like. And having got Michelle Williams to be a part of it would be pretty big because, like, when we get to the actresses, I mean, she's someone you got to put in the the top 25 or consider. She's up there. So, you know, I I thought the same thing, too, but this thing just had me like, okay? Yeah. Like, what? So the same, the same, the same could be said with the next story, honestly. It has, you'll see once you read it. Amazon Studios is in negotiation for fuel, a pitch for an action vehicle movie. For Lovecraft star Journey Smollett, okay. She's attached to produce with uh, Misha Green, the producer, an executive producer and the showrunner for the uh, Lovecraft. The script will be written by Cat Wood. The plan is to develop this as a vehicle for Smollett to play a wheel woman, a fresh take on a familiar character. This film is an action-packed female empowerment story that will subvert the relationship between cars and masculinity. The heroine is a getaway driver who is coerced into working for a criminal and breaking all the rules she set out for herself. Why didn't why they have to put in the toad that she's being coerced into working for it? Why couldn't she just be doing it? Why'd she have to be? Yeah, see, like that's that's my thing. Like, I don't understand the coerced thing. I don't understand like what the female empowerment subvert between cars and masculinity means or anything. Like, if you just would have told me Journey Smollett is it's a getaway drive, yeah, I'd have been in. I'm, I'd have been in. That's I'm all still you need to watch say. it because, like, like I love you need to say. I love Journey Smollett Bell, but this is just too much. Into the long line. This is them just trying to be too uh, PC, Cute? too, too cutesy. Like, yeah, that's that's all it is. It's like Journey Smollett Bell, Getaway Driver with Misha Green movie for Amazon. Over with, done. Watching it. Still, we're still gonna watch it, but it's just like too much words, too much words in your press. And Amazon's usually better at press releases than this. Yeah, I just didn't understand like why they were marketing it to in in this way. Like, oh. You- the last sentence is all you need. The heroine is a getaway driver who is coerced into working for a... You don't even have to have coerced. You could just say the heroine's a getaway driver who's working for a criminal and breaking all the rules she set out for herself. That's all you have to say. Yeah. yeah. Like, the coerced thing, like, we can find that out in the movie. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know. Sure. But shout out to Journey Smollett Bell. I'm definitely going to check that out. But next up, it's time for the segment of the show where we suggest one movie or TV show that is coming out this week or that is out that we believe you guys should be watching. It's called Movie on the Rise. Movie on the Rise. Even though we don't say TV on the Rise, but you know, Movie on the Rise sounds a lot better. But Schubert, what you got for us this week? 
Um, so as we film, or as we filmed and filming this or whatever, South Park special has happened. So make sure you, you catch that. I haven't Yogi. watched it yet. I'm going to watch it when we get done. And um, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's uh, what the the vaccination special. Yep, so you can, it's an hour long. The quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And, but- and Butters is running the anti-mask or the anti-vaxxer group that's not wearing masks and is outside with signs and apartments trying to get a stimulus. It, it just already looks hilarious. Yeah, so definitely check that out. South Park needs to be back with a season. I don't know what mm-hmm. they're doing. They're just um, it's, they're having a quarantine, so they're not able to make it like they normally do. They're just doing one episode at a time. All right. Um, and then the next thing I have is the Bachelor finale. The season is finishing up. Actually, it's one of these things where I'm telling you that it's coming up. And if you haven't been watching it, don't. Mm. And if you have, everyone rejoice and it's finally over. <laughs> <laughs> is he it's, it's just, that girl? Yeah, he is. 100%. The racist girl? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Are they together still? No. Oh, so they break. They broke up after all this shit. Obviously, like there's no way that he could have kept dating that girl. This is just like it's just it's just bad because like when you're watching it and you realize what happens, like the edit is all Rachel centric. Like even you, I don't. I'm not saying that I agree with the way that Chris Harrison like said all of his stuff, but you can see like why he felt like he had to defend her because like she was put in through the show as to be like the person you're supposed to care about. Mm-hmm. And everyone's watching it as like, we do not care about, care this, about chick this Yeah. At all. Like <laughs> he sends oh, so many man. like good girls home and, the, and like the, the, and then the, what's top- the main criticism was there weren't enough black women too. I don't know. I mean, in the top four, Three okay. of them were more black women. Okay. Or, you know, at least sort of, sort of. I mean, I think like uh, out of all the hometowns, every, all the, the, the black women had white moms. Yeah. Okay. So they were mixed. Ah, so it's one of those things I see. That's yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, just one of those pro- things. Problematic season for it's the first prob- black bachelor. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they chose the wrong guy. Number one. <laughs> they should chose Mike. They should have chose Mike and you know, they, they just screwed up, man. Like it was just badly edited. The girls were terrible. Um, well, at least, at least the white girls, honestly. Said, fucking, which I'm going to have to say that cause it was edited bad. <laughs> oh shit. He, what were the white girls was, doing? Were her family, were the families bad? Wait, did he have to go to the racist girl's house? No, no. I mean, they all came in there and like the dad or whatever is the dad is actually a, a POC. Like he, he's just, oh. He's like, a, uh, he looks like a Mexican guy. Yeah. Ooh, okay. And so like the main thing with them was that he was like a little weird. Like, you know, it was just off because you already know all the things about Rachel and you're just like, oh, well, these people are probably being fake. Fake, yeah. And like, and Ooh, then wow. like at the end, Rachel's like, you, you know, you didn't ask my dad if you, if I could marry you or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that like later. Mm. Which, is, which is pretty which i actually agreed with him for that he was like i'm not going to go into every one of these four hometown meetings and be like was it okay if i marry your daughter when like i'm only marrying one of you so like i can feel like i can call them later yeah no I, I i completely agree with that but like the big thing the uh with the bachelor moving forward was that you know they were really going fast and doing a bachelorette season and so they picked the 11th place finisher katie 
And there was huge backlash on that all week, all week, all week about that because like <laughs> 11th place, white, white chick. There's so many good POC, POCs that they could have chose from. Um, the person who's going to finish runner up, Michelle, is an absolute gem. Mm. Reality Steve comes out today. They're filming The Bachelorette with Katie. Mm. And they're filming Bachelor in Paradise. Mm. And then in the summer, they're going to do another Bachelorette season with, with Michelle. Michelle Young? Yes. And mm. so, like, that eases everyone a little bit because, like, Katie's going to be a compelling Bachelorette. And I think that she was one of the heroes of the season. And then, or Michelle or Katie? Both, both of them. But, but yeah, uh, no, yeah. they're both pretty, but like and, Kate, and Michelle and Michelle's main thing was I didn't want I wanted to do a, a bachelorette season filmed in the summer because I didn't want to miss out with my students because she's a teacher, which makes complete sense. Oh, okay. Now I'm seeing Michelle. They had a bad picture of her on the thing. Michelle's gorgeous too. All right. Yeah, she she was a college athlete, played uh women's basketball at Bradley. Okay, yeah, they're both gorgeous. What's Rachel Lindsay talking about? Rachel Lindsay claims that the biopic, the the people of color cast. For Bachelorette or quitting before filming. That's for, that's the man, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess just betrayals. And I mean, mm. like, especially if you're going to be casting Katie season and you'd rather be in Michelle season, like, mm. even though, like, Katie obviously doesn't have anything against black man. I mean, yeah, it's not, she, she's not Rachel. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, I don't really understand. Also, how do you feel that. about Emmanuel Acho replacing Chris? Uh, in weird, bro. You from Speak for Yourself. Well, that's just for the. It's gonna be black. That's, that's, that's for just for the finale. So oh, okay. I mean, I don't know if that's like a for sure thing. I think that, it, in my personal opinion, I think it would be best if you picked a woman mm. to do the Bachelorette and you it's picked a man. a man to do the Bachelor. Ah, okay, I agree. With so, that. like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping that they end up doing, and then Shit, you, let let do, JoJo or Rachel Lindsay do it for the Bachelorette. Sure, sure. Um, but for me, I'm a big supporter of the the push for Michael Strahan to be the host of The Bachelor. I would love that. That's your Giants thing coming. I'm going for Emmanuel Acho, man. That dude's trying to be male black Oprah, and I'm I'm with it. I, hey, I hope he does a really good job on After the Final Rose. It's definitely going to be tense. he does, he might get it. Yeah, it's going to be hella tense. It's, it's going to be hella tense. But he's used to hosting 10 shows. Like, he hosts that show where white people yes. and black people sit together. So, like, he can do it. So, you know. And my movie on the rise this week is a show that I have fallen in love with over the time period of doing this show. Paradise PD is back for season three. It's the nuclear wasteland season. I am ready. I just hope, I hope they figure a way to get us out of this nonsense. <laughs> Cause like, I don't even remember how it ended with the betrayer of how the black cop was the betrayer and how he uh, started the, the legion of the legion of villains and they nuked the town. Yeah. 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 Yo, yeah, no, Paradise PD season three is gonna be crazy. I'm ready for that. One of the one of the better Netflix animated comedies they have. You know, I'd say them and Big Mouth. It's it's them, Big Mouth. Um, yeah, that's that, it. that's it because it's better than Disenchantment. Disenchantment let me down so much, but you yeah, were right see, on Disenchantment. You said season one was mad, and I was like, nah, it's pretty good. Season two just showed how mad it really was. Yeah, they just didn't have anything to build off. No, uh, Matt yeah. Groening didn't have it. Let's move into, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about WandaVision because we're saving Frank Grilla for next week, huh? Bro, WandaVision was a legitimate six or seven overall. Six or seven out of overall? ten. Overall? That's yeah. not bad. Six or seven out of ten. I think everybody who was, who was hyping it up, it was not, it did not live up to my expectations. And I'm not talking about the speculations. I'm talking about just moving the MCU on. It, it, it moved Wanda's character forward. But it had, like, 
it did not move the MCU forward. And it just feels like we were kind of lied to, in a sense. I don't know. And it doesn't make sense, if I'm being honest. And I know I wanted Doctor Strange. I know that's speculation. But to me, it makes no sense that this is happening in New Jersey and Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme and he's not mentioned once and he doesn't come once? Come on, Schubert, that makes no sense. No, that's that's a fair criticism. But, you know, my thought process on WandaVision as it goes with the MCU I think it was necessary to do this in order to give you an idea of what's going on with Wanda, how we're pushing her forward into the next element because she's got to move off this vision thing. Now she's moved off. So we've got, we've gotten that situated and we've also learned a lot more about her. So now she's a character that you actually give a shit about. Like, honestly, I didn't care about Scarlet Witch before WandaVision. True. So like now I actually have a reason to like, be invested in the character. I think this more so pushes along a lot of things that they're going to be doing on the TV side with the, uh, the lesser characters. Yeah. I think, you know, we're seeing, we're, we're going to see more Jimmy Woo. I think this helped establish him as more of a piece moving he forward. And my favorite character in the whole series. And I really want them to give him an agents of Atlas show because he leads a superhero special agent team. Which they could easily do later down the line. Now that they've had said that and established the the um, the post credit scene with Monica Rambeau, love kind that. Of pushes she was that. my second favorite character. No, he was my Jimmy favorite. Tied. Her and Jimmy were tied. I like them both equally. I love Monica, and she got wasted in the finale. Wasted, mm-hmm. and it's just like I think this is Wanda Vision story, but you don't introduce her, and the only thing you let her do is get shot. Yeah. What? Like the only black character in the show is getting shot. All right, whatever. Cool. We don't even get to see her use her. We don't even get to see none of that. Come on, Schubert. That 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 finale was a letdown, and I know it was a letdown because the fucking showrunner is out there doing press runs, like just uh fucking um what's the word I'm looking for? Damage controlling her fucking show, just saying, oh no, this is what we wanted. This is what we meant. You shouldn't have to say that if you have a good show. Fucking well, then, detective season one creators aren't coming out and explaining their choices. They're just saying, yeah, we did the damn thing. The well, the, but the thing is, is like, it, it, the, the true the true detective creators didn't have to go in there and be like, oh, yeah, you know, this person, everyone's telling you that, you know, Reed Richards is going to show up. Dr. Strange is going to show up. Well, speculation, 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 speculation. That was what hindered this show. Like if, if the show was able to do what it wanted to do on its own and not have to worry about like the idea of more cameos coming in, like would have probably been better received. But it fell flat for a lot of people's expectations. It is what it is. I mean, at the end of this, I feel like I learned a lot about Wanda that I I feel like she's now gotten over the vision thing. They didn't even do vision, right? Like, you have so many more questions. Why don't, what what is vision? Is vision alive? Is vision dead? What's up with the white vision? Like, they just, but white vision just went off. He's alive and she lives inside of here and she lives inside of Wanda, part of the mind zone that's in her. So there's just so many questions that's like, you didn't even answer these things. The kids, What's up with them? Were they figments? Are they real? You, she hears them at the end. Is that from another dimension? It was just too much stuff that, like, they had too many ideas, big ideas that they didn't even get to flesh out. This series, uh, we always talk about how shows should be shortened to, like, nine to ten episodes. This might have needed to be 13. Maybe, because, I mean, the first three were wastes. Trash. Um, Trash. I understand you're doing this cool, this cool, like, oh, yeah, we're going to travel throughout uh, TV history, but, like, it should be story before Flash. It should be story before uh, 
before the like the extra shit. And it feels like this show was all about the extra shit and they just tried to make a story to fit it. Yeah, so when it comes to thinking about what this is going to do in the future of the MCU, for me, Wanda's role in the universe, uh, the multiverse of madness, huge. I think I think she's going to re re uh, meet re meet up with her kids again in a different multiverse. Like that's how I think it's going to happen. That's how I think that they come back. Yeah, they definitely. And hell, maybe Vision comes back. back too. I don't know. Vision might come back as Wonder Man. That's what I'm thinking because. Also, you don't you don't give up. This is another thing I have a problem with. You don't give a behind the scenes thing and show all these pictures of all this cool shit, and none of this shit happened. None of this shit happened. You have a picture of Wonder Man right behind the show creator. None of this shit happens. Like you put the expectations on yourself. There's a picture of Doctor Strange and Wanda in the behind the scenes. You put the expectations on yourself. I'm sorry, Schaefer. You didn't make a good show. You made an okay show in the MCU. An okay show at best. You know what's gonna be the best show in the MCU next week. See next Friday, yeah. going down. I'm so excited for Falcon Winter Soldier because but, they're not promising me anything. You know what they're promising me? A good spy story. And really, I, no need, I don't need any cameos. I don't need yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. There's me, really no cameos that need to be thought of or put give in. Give me uh, Baron Von Zucker. Or what, what the fuck is his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. And, and then we get Sharon Carter. That's all I need. Who at, who at, th- who at this point... The, have you ever thought about this with Sharon Carter? Sharon Carter is Peggy Daughter's what? Her niece. granddaughter or daughter or, or something? It's, it's her or is it, something. It's her like niece, that. right? Sharon Carter. I think that's the. Well, let's see. I think that's the niece. Okay, well, never mind then. Because like, because I, I, my thought, my whole thought process, I was thinking of was like, wait, so if Sharon Carter is related to Peggy Carter, and Captain America goes back in time and gets back with Peggy. Then what is Sharon Carter to Captain America? And doesn't he sleep with her? Hold on, I'm about to find out. Sharon Carter is is Sharon Carter Captain America? No, Sharon Carter was originally Peggy Carter's younger sister. Yeah, she's her grandniece in the movie. Okay, okay. yeah, because you're right. If she was, then she would be. Yeah, 100. This show's gonna have Baron Zemo hype. It's gonna have fucking Batroc, George Saint Pierre from Civil Wars coming back. You got Sharon Carter. Anthony Mackie, Bucky, Sebastian Stan, and apparently this show is going to introduce either the uh, either young black Captain America or Amanda Chavez, which is America Girl, the Latino Captain America. So, like this show is everything they promised us. I'm okay with. WandaVision promised us more shit than we expected. This is the lead into Multiverse of Madness. This is this is getting us to the multiverse. You didn't even get us to the multiverse. All you explained was witches. Yeah. What the fuck? And like, I, I know people have been like, oh, it's and, been and a big like, the setup for Greek. Agatha Harkness to be like the big bad was not there. It was, no, it, it was, was, it was she was there Agatha to be Harkness, a bad. She's set up like, to be a, a mentor and someone, not necessarily a mentor, but someone that Wanda can go. She's basically Anthony Hopkins to Wanda's. Um, Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster and thing. Like, you know how Jodie Foster goes talk to Anthony, Anthony Hopkins to solve the murders? I feel yeah. like that's what Wanda's going to do. I will say they had a great Fight Club homage when Wanda and Vision are standing and they shoot them from the back and we see the, the hex closing in on them in the last episode. That's the homage to Fight Club when all the buildings are burning and blowing up in Fight Club when uh, Edward Norton and Bill- Be- Bellatrix Lestrange are standing there holding hands looking at it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, my thing uh, on WandaVision that I'm thinking of with that post credit scene with Monica Rambeau is that she She's might be the main... Marvel too. 
Well, yeah, she's be a main player in Captain Marvel too, but she, she also could be someone that appears in Secret Wars. Or, you know, you're talking about Secret Invasion, the TV show. Yeah, Secret Invasion, yeah. Yeah, yeah she definitely will be. I, they said he, though. I, mean, I thought I was thinking Captain Marvel. But when they said he, I was, uh, I was thinking either yeah, Nick Fury or um, Alos, the head of uh, the, the scroll that we all know. It's probably either different. one. Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad that white guy from S.W.O.R.D. got arrested. Get his ass. Yeah. He was shooting at kids. What's wrong with that guy? Yeah. It's like, whoa. I was just like, yo, this dude is just shooting at the kids. And then he, Monica jumped in front and then, you, then he kept shooting. He was still trying to shoot. I was like, this guy's off his rocker. Another problem. He, he made no he, sense. He made he no was, sense. Yeah, he, he was a bad dude. And I think like it only worked for WandaVision in a way where the week that he premiered on his episode was the, the night before He's on Law and Order being like a ruthlessly evil dude. I was just like, <laughs> I was, like I, I just watched Law and Order and I'm like, oh, this dude's so bad. Ooh, 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 ooh. And then I turn on WandaVision the next day. I'm like, is that that same fucking dude? Like, Get the fuck out of here. That's what I'm saying. The show was all right at best, bro. And everybody's talking about like, oh, the MCU finally explored grief. We'll talk about grief. Go watch Dark Knight. Go watch Go Batman. Watch, uh, Endgame. Infinity War. I, but I will say, they, I will say the the they hand the best. And if you want to talk about grief, the best showing of grief in this whole fucking show was not Wanda. It was Monica Rambeau coming back from the snap. That oh, was yeah. the best mm-hmm. grief thing. That was it. That was the real thing. And you know, Wanda was cool. It was I like she got her costume, but I just. This, I'm giving this show a six. Man. I, I have a lot of problems with it. Ralph turned out to be Pietro. What a fucking yeah. letdown. Boo. Uh, the, the fucking guy for swords sucked. His storyline made no sense. Darcy just ran a, a fucking truck into him. Like she wouldn't have been arrested for that shit. Like, well, I feel like that was kind of a waste on her. Like, I don't think that they needed that. It would have been better if Monica would have just beat him. Useless. They just. They didn't know what they were doing, bro. That just goes back to my point about how this show is not good. It was a six. F- Guarantee you, Falcon Winter Soldier. Shit, Loki might. Loki's definitely better than this. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. And I Loki's think we're gonna, gonna see. I think we're gonna see Loki and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness because there's this panel where all the magic users are battling together. Loki, Scarlet Witch, and Doctor Strange, and I think that's gonna happen. They, they're they're big into doing shots like that. I did think Ag- Agatha Harkness's line about how you're stronger than you're, you're going to be stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme was interesting, but why do you say that and he doesn't appear? Again, problems, problems. You're telling me Wanda's going to have this big ass rune in the sky, and Doctor Strange's not going to feel the magic of that? Issues, bro. That's just a big issue. Like I thought, all the Reed Richards stuff was. I even said on the show, like, yeah, that would be cool, but they're not going to introduce Reed Richards in a WandaVision episode. Doctor Strange should have happened. Even if you didn't even bring Doctor Strange, Baron Mordo, like Chutor Ejiofor, dude is on a hunt looking for magic and looking for people who are abusing magic. That's his whole thing. Why was he not there at the end to get Agatha Harkness? Just I just have I issues. Know, I just have issues, bro. I don't know, but you know, I I didn't hate the the span of what nine weeks that we had to watch WandaVision. It was interesting. Yeah. I, it gave us something to do. I'm not going to say I hated the week. I think it was uh, one of the, at least maybe it didn't push along the MCU like you were like, but now we're back in it and moving yeah. into Falcon Winter Soldier. Now, now after a year hiatus, I feel like I'm back into the world of the MCU. 
the ending felt like I was in the MCU, I will say. The fight yeah. between Wanda and Agatha was great. I won't lie about that. I thought the vision fight was anticlimactic, but I did love yeah. I did love him being like talking to him and now the means of uh where they put the dashiki on vision and they're like, my white brother, you don't know what's going down. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> the memes for Vision have been pretty great. Our vision with the chain with his thing, just like, yeah, my bitch is a bad bitch. <laughs> I loved all the Vision memes, bro. I loved them all. Because people are saying, Vision's black, bro. He's made of vibranium, which comes from Wakanda. Vision's a black man. So That works. <laughs> Even though his programming is Jarvis, a British guy from that was created by Tony Stark. <laughs> What's Idris Elba? Uh, British? There you I go. Think about it. Not, not connecting the dots. Now, let's talk about this. MCU TV compared to Star Wars TV, I think Mandalorian season one, even though people had issues with it, was better than this. Yeah. No, you're not denying that at all. Ian would say otherwise. Ian did not like Mandalorian season one. No, he did not. But I mean, like the Mandalorian season one. I felt like it left me more satisfied than this. Like Mandalorian season one didn't leave any loose ends. Didn't leave anything untied. Like I felt like everything was tied pretty tightly. Sure. For the most part. Um, and it really didn't like it didn't get it make you it, happy. It wasn't yet. like super dependent on a cameos. Yep. Um, I almost say, think that season two was a little bit more dependent on it than anything else, but it, it worked because they're great at what mm-hmm. they do. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the big, I guess, cameo of the first season was uh, the Darksaber. Yeah, it was, and I loved it, and it was great, mm-hmm. and like that's what. That's what this show lacked. This show, if it would have been okay, no cameos, let us know that. Like, like, just be like, yeah. But when you come out and say, this is supposed to be the direct lead into the multiverse, to multiverse of madness, and you don't execute that, if you just said this, this introduces witches and magic into the MCU fully, I'd have bought in. But even then, if you introduce magic, how doesn't the strongest magic person in the universe not know about it? I have issues with that. He knew Loki... Doctor Strange felt when Loki came into Earth, and that's why he wouldn't go get him in Ragnarok. You tell me yeah. he doesn't feel Wanda making this big hex thing is making the the dark hold, which this magic text was written about her, which is she's the the person that was forged from magic, not born from magic, and she has this strong hex shit. Tell me Doctor Strange doesn't realize that. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Don't lie. Don't make a bad show. It was all right. Now Falcon Winter Soldier, I'm hyped for. <laughs> you made a bad show. They did, bro. It was a six. I'm not even giving it a seven. It was a six. But let's get to it. Top 25 actors. All right. 20, we're doing 25. Right Schubert was like, we're not doing five because Schubert told me it was six, really. So five, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, and 20. Yeah, so you said you had three at 25, so you might as well go first. Yeah, let me be... Okay, so everybody's going to be mad because they know I always do this, always break the rules. But this is my, this is my explanation for this. They're like, why don't you put them higher or take them off? I feel that these people are all congruent to be in the 25th spot. I feel that they're no better than 25, no less than 25. And and I'm not copping out by putting three people there. I just feel like these three people are the 25th best actors of all time. Number one, and let me preface this. This is my comedy. This is where I give an ode to comedy. Robin Williams. Oh, trash. Eddie Murphy, Will Smith at 25. 
what what is wrong with you in comedy? You don't think, especially for to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I understand. But you know, Robin Williams has done dramatic roles, right? I know, I know, I know. He and has. you know that they've been Great. incredible, I, right? I know they have. I understand they have. My girlfriend got mad at me for this, but I feel that the actors I have above this are better than Robin Williams, better than Eddie Murphy, and better than Will Smith. Will Smith is the blockbuster guy. Will Smith, and look, I love Fresh Prince. I love all the things that Will Smith does, but Will Smith is very one note. Will Smith plays a a collection of three people. He plays the Pursuit of Happiness, Seven Pounds Will Smith. He plays comedic, uh, badass Will Smith, Men in Black, boys, uh, bad boys, I'd even say, Fresh Prince is the start of that. Wild West. Wild Wild West. And then he plays the badass that's slightly misunderstood, but still good. I'm legend, I robot, Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's the three he plays. And he couldn't, as great as Will Smith is, I don't think he's the best of actors. I think he just has really big movies. And in in, in when I rated this, his movie star slider was through the roof. But his great acting, his difference in performances, the switching roles thing, I felt like he had to be there. Robin Williams was the only person I was struggling with not putting higher, but I had to put him here because I feel like every actor I have later is better than Robin Williams. And Eddie Murphy... There's a lot of the actors you're going to say after Robin Williams that could could make you cry in a role, but they probably couldn't make you laugh, and Robin Williams could do both. I understand that, Shuby. I understand that. And look, the reason why I have Eddie here as well there's no run better than this, to, in my opinion, in comedy. When you go from Beverly, when you go from tra- 48 Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Boomerang, uh, and then I think that might be the end of it. Yeah, that's and then oh, well, then you go, you take a little break, then you go Nutty Professor, Mulan, Shrek, Doctor Doolittle. You know, Eddie Murphy's a, a comedic. Yeah, that's one of the things that you can definitely say when we're going through this is like if, if they can span decades. Like there were some people that I was looking into, I was like, okay, well, they had a really great 2010s, but they fell off in the middle. And they also, you know, Eddie Murphy great has a nine, lot of duds. Yeah. That's another thing that's with mine. These people that are in 25 have duds. That's another thing. Will Smith, duds. Eddie Murphy, duds. Robin Williams has duds too. But like, Robin Williams is so great. I wanted to put him higher, but I just couldn't. He is he is he is one of those dudes that history history will appreciate him. He will be looked upon as great, but it's just there's people a little bit better than him in my opinion. So that's my twenty five. Who you got at twenty five? Will Smith. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fresh Prince, man, iconic TV show. Will Smith has some well, iconic. It, it really is even for that. I mean, it's just like if I look. If I think about some of my favorite movies that have ever existed, Independence Day, mm-hmm. Wild Wild West, iRobot. Uh, S- similar thing to with him and Men Robin in Black. Yeah. How, how him and Robin Williams go on runs, Will Smith's run is, is as follows. He goes from Fresh Prince to like, all right, now we're doing movies. So after Fresh Prince, he comes out with Independence Day, Men in Black. He does... Uh, Wild Wild West. Wild, Wild, no, no, no. He does Independence Day. Enemy of the State. Wait, hold on. He does Fresh Prince, Bad Boys, Independence Day, Enemy of... So Fresh Prince, Bad Boys, Independence Day, Enemy of the State. Men in Black. Men in Black, Wild Wild West. That's an crazy five-movie run. 
insane. Well, the the issue though is that a lot of people say that Wild Wild West is it's you know, the Razzie winner. Yeah, but, but you know me and you love Wild Wild West. So yeah, and then and, and then he comes back with the next year, two years later to play Ali, which is you know may not have been the greatest. Might not have been the best movie, but showing, that was at, but, at, uh, and that's my thing. Every time he attempts it, it's okay. But like switch out Denzel with Will Smith and Ali, great movie. Switch out Jamie Foxx with uh, Bad Boys. I think it's I think it works maybe even a little bit better. You switch out Jamie Foxx Men in Black. I think it works. Like there, you can switch out Jamie Foxx, Denzel for most of the Will Smith roles, and they still work, or they may be better. That's why Will yeah. Smith at the bottom of the list. Yeah, and I think Will Smith, you know, his more recent stuff has just been a little bit hard on him. Fridash. So. All right, the next guy I got, you know, I'm paying an ode to to um, Latino American culture. I'm going Javier Bardem, 24. Skyfall, No Country for Old Men, The Seaside, beautiful. Um, Javier Bardem is just one of the best. I can get you sucked in and make you scared of everything that I'm doing. No Country for Old Men is arguably one of the best performances as a villain of all time. And then you, you have The Counselor. He's great in that. You have uh, Collateral, small role, but he's still great in that. Javier Bardem is one of those actors that is one of the best villains of all time that doesn't get enough love. Between Skyfall and No Country for Old Men, it's a tour de force of acting. But people are going to be like, Robin Williams has had more movies. It's better than that. But the thing is, the two movies that Javier Bardem had I don't know if you can tell me an acting performance that Robin Williams did better than that, but that's just my opinion. That's why I have Javier Bardem at 24. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have Javier Bardem this low. Uh, you got him higher? Yeah. Oh, okay, real. Um, the reason why I don't have him higher, Schubert, is because, he does, because of the amount of movies he has. I mean, the, the six that I'm going to name are the ones that I have at like the, the bottom tier, and then everything else is a little bit higher. Uh, for 24 for me, uh, this is definitely a name I don't expect you to have, but Morgan Freeman. Mm, no, no, Morgan Freeman. He's one of my character actors, supporting actors. I feel like there's a lot of movies that I don't know if he's... make my list. That's what I'm saying, that, that he's really elevated. You know, his role in Million Dollar Baby, his role in Seven, um, playing Mel- Nelson Mandela in Invictus. He's uh, great. You know, playing God in Bruce Almighty. You know, he's, you know being the VP in, in, the, in the Fallen incredible. movies. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of movies that when he pops in, he elevates it. You know, playing yep. Lucius Fox. Yep. You know, funny enough, uh, I, I have a character actor that's similar to Morgan Freeman, but I think he's just a tad bit better. But he's coming late, and you're gonna um, be like, "What? You have him this low?" <laughs> and I mean, you know, even farther back into the '80s, you have like Glory and mm-hmm. you know, Driving Miss Daisy, and so you know, he's uh, he's had he's had a stretch. No, 100. So. percent All right. Uh, next up, I have so that's your twenty four. My twenty three. This is the newest, newest ish actor I have on my list, Mahershala Ali. I had to put Mahershala on here because he is a two time Best Supporting Oscar winner, which only one other person has done in history. When you look at his run, he goes House of Cards. Uh, like I'm talking big runs because I'm not talking about his NYPD shit or any of that any of that other shit. He goes. He was in House of Cards. He was in Treme. He was in um, uh, Free State of Jones, Moonlight, Luke Cage, Hidden Figures, uh, Green Book, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Alita Battle Angel, True Detective, 
Rami, and and now he's about to be in Blade. I think, and he was the villain in Luke Cage. I think what Mahershala Ali shows is a depth of, I can play multitude of different people. I can be serious. I can be menacing. I can be uh, emotional, touching. I can be everything you need in one. And I think when it's all said and done, Mahershala Ali will move past this 23rd spot. I think Mahershala Ali has potential to get in anywhere between. I think Mahershala Ali will be in the top 15 when it's all said and done. Because what he did in Green Book, what he did in, but no, let me not even use Green Book. What Mahershala Ali did in Moonlight was beautiful. Mahershala Ali damn near made me want to cry in Moonlight. In the way he loved that kid and showed that kid so much love and was just a, a, a thing that Black people needed to see about the uh, gay community. It was something that needed to be said, needed to be seen. And I absolutely love Mahershala Ali. And his role in True Detective is very slept on. It, it, it's, it's arguably up there with, uh, with Matthew McConaughey in the sense of how good it was. And I'm ecstatic to see him in Blade. Yeah. You know, Marshall, I'll leave someone I'll, I'll talk about later. Not today. I had to, I, you know, I understand that you did why you did it. Like I said, he's a two-time best supporting actor and I had to put him on the list. He's the youngest person I have. Like in the sense like, of like eras. This is his era. eras. Yeah. I got you. Uh, where are we at? 23? Yeah, 23. 23 for me is Johnny Depp. Ah, okay. Depp didn't you know, make my list. A, a guy rooted in scandal off screen, which goes back to what we forgot to mention early on. Is yeah, that we Kevin, gotta talk about Kevin this. Spacey won't be on either one of our lists, even, even though, though based he on, would be. Yeah, if he, he had, be probably high on both of our lists because we both love Usual Suspects, we both love L.A. Confidential. What he did in Seven, Baby Driver. But you cannot deny how good of an actor Kevin Spacey is, but he's a creep and too much of a just a shitty human, so we excluded him from the list. Yeah. You know, Johnny Depp squeaks into this for me. You know, he was able to carry a franchise like Pirates of the Caribbean. Granted, a lot of those movies were Oscar the nominated best. for Parrot for Jack Sparrow. But yeah, Oscar nominated for Jack Sparrow, you know, Sweeney Todd, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's played he's had some iconic roles, but then can do things like um Black Mass, where he plays, you know, Whitey Bulger, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, being into a musical Hello. like Into the Woods doing Blow, uh, being the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. uh, voicing Rango. Back you know, to that dud thing. He has a lot of duds. He does have a lot of duds. That's that's definitely an issue for him, but he does have a, a pretty high end, and especially when you go into uh, some... He's just been in a lot of iconic movies and then also, you know, launched that Jump Street era in, the t- in TV and mm-hmm. um, has changed the game for old-looking people in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Johnny Depp is, is for me at 23. All right. Didn't put him any higher. Now we're at 22. This is another one that I don't know where you're going to put this guy, but he had to make my list. Matt Damon. Matt Damon comes in at mm. 22 for me. Uh, when you think of Matt Damon, you think of a guy that can do action. You think of a guy that, that, that can do, that is this guy that showed, oh yeah, I'm Jason Bourne. But when you think about it, Matt Damon has shown his range from talented Mr. Ripley to The Martian. He's been a villain in Interstellar, Goodwill Hunting, his start. Um, it, Matt Damon has shown that he can play multiple different guys, even to his latest film of Ford and versus Ferrari and playing Carol Shelby. We saw his vulnerability in that. We saw his sadness. We saw his angst. And then back to his, his, his action roles with seeing Jason Bourne and, and True Get Grit when he was LaBeouf. Matt Damon is not only a good character actor, but a leading man. 
You see him in The Departed. There's just so much good stuff about Matt Damon. He's so versatile that he had to be on this list. He does Oscar stuff. He does character actor stuff. And he does leading man stuff. And I'd say some of my favorite Matt Damon performances have to be in The Martian. It would have to be Jason Bourne. And it would have to be, uh, I, I would say, Carol Shelby from Ford versus Ferrari. I'd say Mark Watney from The Martian. And I would say, I guess, Talented Mr. Ripley are his best performance. Love that movie. So Matt Damon had to make the list. And it might be too low for him, but I'm just happy he made my list. Yeah, that's a name that I don't know where he stands in my well no i mean i don't know where he stands in my now that i think about that name i'm like well maybe i need to move some things around uh but for me at 23 or 22 i have matthew mcconaughey Mm, i don't know if he's gonna make my list i need to think about that yeah i don't know if he's gonna make a lot of people's lists he does have a lot of sinkers but you know he does he you know started his career up with like dazed and confused who's in the best true detective season that there is Mm -hmm. uh you know more so recently of what he's been able to do is why I have him and where I have him. The McConaughey. Um, you know, uh, Interstellar, uh, White Boy Rick, he did a phenomenal job in. The Gentleman, mm-hmm. he did a good job in. Um, he's been able to, to voice some pretty big movies like Sing and Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, you know, his role in Wolf of Wall Street, While Short Lived, is one of the most memorable Iconic. scenes. Uh, being in Magic Mike, uh, Mud, Dallas Buyers Club, you know, a lot of his uh, most recent decade has been phenomenal for him and his career. So that's where I have him, where he, where I have him. I'm not you know, mad does, at that. So he's like, he's someone that I feel like is is doing no wrong at the moment. The McConaughey like, is how, real. Like, yeah, why, why, why you put Mahershala Mar- Mar- Ali where you put him? That's where I kind of feel with Matthew Matt McConaughey. Well, I mean, Matthew McConaughey, 100%. All right, this next one might hurt my boy Shuby's heart, but I got to do it. This is number 21. I have Harrison Ford. I feel like Harrison Ford is iconic. He has that Will Smith thing where he's a blockbuster guy, but I think he's a better actor than Will Smith. And it's just undeniable when you're Indiana Jones, Han Solo, and, and uh, basically in all of these all of these uh, spy movies and all of these action movies, like uh, I'm trying to see where's the name of it. Uh, I forget. Uh, Air Force One, where you're in the Fugitive, where you're in as Jack Ryan. You're the first Jack Ryan, and you can make me believe each of those roles and be Rick Deckard. And I don't see any of the other people in those roles. That shows you're an amazing actor. But like I said, he's usually playing the same guy. We don't ever see Harrison Ford as a villain too much, and that's why I have him this low, but he's an incredible, incredible actor and one of those most iconic actors of all time. But 21, I couldn't no go, I couldn't go any higher for him. All right. Um, 21 and 20 are really interesting ones for me. And they kind of could go either way. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've kind of been fighting about that. But I'm gonna choose to do it this way. No, uh, 21 for me is gonna be Brad Pitt. Oh, the disrespect to BP. I got I him higher. I know. Uh, oh, man, that breaks my heart. But I got some of your people low, too, so I'm not tripping. Yeah, I think we'll probably end up flipping Brad Pitt for Harrison Ford at some point. I don't know how high you have Brad Pitt, but... 
Um, but I mean, you know, he's done some some big stuff. I love his work in um in Burn a- in Burn After Reading and Glorious Bastards, Moneyball, um, and of course, most recently, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he was a award winner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I feel like he's he's done a lot of really great stuff. What my um, my drawback for Brad Pitt for me is that there's a lot of stuff that he's done that I just have no interest in watching. Mm. Um, Ad Astra being one of those. I watch um, it because I'm a Brad Pitt guy. I got season tickets to Brad Pitt. Every movie I'm watching, and as bad as as much as I didn't like Ad Astra, he was phenomenal in it. There's like a lot of things that like you're like, oh, Brad Pitt was in that, and you and you, you know, Troy. Like, oh. oh, I'm gonna big up Troy. Well, Troy, no, Troy is is a big on me. I have it in my box back here. Like Troy, <laughs> Troy's a good one. Um, but I just love that Brad Pitt's so versatile. And he's so good looking that he tries his hardest to subvert you from the fact that he's good looking. Like in the sat, I don't know if you've ever seen this. You're not a big Western guy. The assassination of Jesse James, um, just what he did in True Romance, being the pothead stoner. Um, there's just so many good Brad Pitt roles, but I'm glad he. Made yeah, he no, you know what? You 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 moved him back up because I had him at 20, and I was thinking about moving him back. I'm gonna put him back at 20, so yeah. he'll be back. It'll be back at 20 for me, and I'll say who 21 is when we get there. All right, nice. Brad Pitt's not back at 20. Well, no, we're at we're at 21. We're this at 20. 21. No, no I just 21. did 21. Yeah. You, you said you moved Brad Pitt back up. Yeah, so, okay, well, then we'll just get me for 20, and I'll say who my 21 is. It's uh, it's Keanu Reeves. Oh, interesting. He didn't make – shoot, yeah, shoot, what are you doing? Yeah, Brad Pitt's above Keanu Reeves. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's at least above Keanu Reeves, but – you know, I'm doing my just research on, and I, you know, Keanu Reeves is a name that keeps like sticking in the back of my head. I'm like, man, I love his fucking movies. And, um, and I was reading a New York times article and it was like talking about the actors of the decade. And they made a point on Keanu Reeves. I think he was, they was like 15 on their list, but it was a, it was a mixed list. And he's, and the point that they made in this article was, can you name one film that is not improved by the presence of Keanu Reeves? Mm. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of movies that are bad, but I don't think it's it has to do with him. That's um, true. You know, so when it comes to his films, the Bill and Ted movies, uh, except the third one, because that was trash. Um, Point Break. Great movie. Incredible movie. I love him in Speed. Uh, he does a great job playing Don John and Much Do About Nothing. Uh, the Matrix, Neo, Iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Replacement, Shane Falco, one of my favorite sports movies ever. Um, and another great sports movie he did, Hardball, which shows like his big dramatic range. Um, you know, and then the little bits and pieces he comes in, you know, even if he has a small role, like in a, that movie, uh, the Netflix movie, Always Be My Maybe, he, he's, he commands the screen. And, you know, being able to, to you know, take uh franchises and have them big across eras you know you have matrix that was big in the the early 2000s then you have the john wicks that are big in the 2010s yeah point break in the 80s or early point break in in 90 in 1990 uh so i mean he's just had a, a great range of work and everything that he's been in he he commands the screen and like you you really um love to see Keanu Reeves in there. You know, even for, yeah, even his voice acting in Toy Story 4, like Duke Kaboom was a pretty big character in that movie. So 
I don't know. I mean, when I saw that phrase, can you name one film that was not improved by the presence of Keanu Reeves? Can't really think of it. I can't really think of any. Not, I mean, see, I think he's the best part of Constantine. That's a fact. Now, this next one, some people are going to think might be disrespectful. But again, I'm taking into consideration acting skill, impact. I'm taking, if you replace this person and replace them with someone else, I'm taking movie star status and the types of movies they do. And even though these next two people's acting ability may be up, their other stats are down. These two are character actors, but the best character actors. I have Philip Seymour Hoffman and Gary Oldman at number 20 tied. It's See, I, like, that, I, I wanted that makes to put sense Gary that you Oldman did it that higher, way. but I just couldn't. It makes sense that you did it that way because I, I think I'm going to end up leaving them off my list just because of the fact that they're like so tight like that that I just couldn't figure out a way to piece them in there. And I had to put them in. I feel like it would be disrespectful if I didn't. Now, let's talk about Gary Oldman first. If you, he does, he does a lot of things. He's a chameleon. Yeah, he, he, he's a chameleon in the, in the sense that he's in a movie and you don't know it's him. Exactly. And from The Dark Knight, to the fifth element, to the book of Eli, to Harry Potter. To Harry Potter. I did not know he was serious black for the longest time. To um, I'm trying to see some to Hannibal, to like I said, the fifth element, to true romance when he's playing this fucking drug dealer with dreads, and he's like, What's up, man? What's up? What's up? And it's just there's no better character actor than uh than Gary Oldman. And he's finally he finally won an Oscar. For his lead role is as um, as um, Winston Churchill in uh, The Darkest Hour. He had good love with Mank. He's finally becoming a leading man. But I just feel like it was he's the best character actor next to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Rest in peace in Capote, The Master, Charlie Wilson's War, Before the Devil Knows. This guy, when he's on the screen, he is menacing. If you remember him in the Mission he Impossible is the 3, he is menacing. Where Schubert says, that, and I agree with Schubert, where Schubert was talking about how Gary Oldman, you don't recognize him. No, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you recognize him. But the thing is, you recognize his, his, his aura and his presence, but each character that he is, he embodies it. Whether it's comedy in Moneyball, where he's the cop, he's the drunken cop, whether it's serious, he's a villain in Mission Impossible 3, or whether he's this, this likable guy in Truman Capote. No matter what he plays, he is always phenomenal magnolia talented mr ripley this guy if he this guy should be hired but the thing is he's such a character actor that i can't put him any higher but these both of these two dudes need love and praise because they're some of the best actors of all time and this is why robin williams is 25 he's not better than philip seymour hoffman he is not better than gary oldman this is why these two dudes are incredible they are when i think of acting chops and when i think of people that just embody their roles and just dive into them, I think of these two guys. You're making me want to say that we should, you know, when we do a run and back poll, we should throw Talents of Mr. Ripley in there. We can. It's a great movie. I love it. That, that's a seriously phenomenal movie. Um, and you named two guys that definitely make a big part of that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman and R.I.P. and and uh, Gary Oldman, definitely two big-time character actors. Yep, so these are our 25 through 20. Schubert, give your 25 through 20 one more time. Okay. Uh, Will Smith is 25. 24 was Morgan Freeman. 23 was 
Johnny Depp, 22 was McConaughey, 21 was Keanu Reeves, and 20 was Brad Pitt. For me, I have 25, Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, and Will Smith, all tied at the 25 spot. 24, I have Javier Bardem. 23, I have Mahershala Ali. 22, I have Matt Damon. 21, I have Harrison Ford. And 20, I have Gary Oldman and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Next week, you guys can expect 19, 18, 15. 17, Before. 16, and 15. Yeah. No, they're getting the five. They're getting 19, yeah. 18, 17, 16, 15. But the week after that, they're going to get 14, 13, 12, 11. Okay, yeah. That's going to be the four. So then we do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and then 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It only gets harder and, next week. And that, and that, could, that could be subject to change depending on, uh, oh, no, that would be the best time. Because like, I'm trying to think like what, what we'll have to talk about. Next week will be good because we'll only have those movies. And then the next week we have Falcon Winter Soldier, Soldier so we so want to yeah. have some time. Yeah. We'll have the small, small stuff. So yeah, no, next week it's harder. I think next week might be the, I think the next two weeks might be the hardest. I don't know. It might be pretty easy for me because a lot of the people that you named are probably going to be who falls in to that list for I, me. Next week is when I start throwing in my older guys. I'll probably throw in an older guy in there too. Yeah. Like, and, and for those who are like, oh, where's, what about Cary Grant? All these people, me and Schubert, I, we discussed this off air. This is mostly from 70s onward, but I, I will have some people in there like, yeah, like a Jimmy Stewart, like a, a Toshiro Mifune. I got to put my guys in there, but they will fall in where they will. Yeah, they'll, they might pop in where, where they can. For me, it's just that I just don't know enough about those guys about them to be able to, to put it in there. It's just acting's different now. It, it, it is. Yeah. Like, when I watch a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, like, I do think Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart can hold his own against those guys, but, like, Cary Grant was, like, a pretty face. Like, yeah, Cary Grant acted well, but, like, you know, Humphrey Bogart. Like, I watched The Maltese Falcon. Dude is he's good, but like, dude ain't Philip Seymour Hoffman, Gary Oldman good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like when we get into actresses too, because I was looking and doing the research for that. You know, there's definitely some that you have to throw in there. Like you got to throw in a Hepburn. Um, but like but, if you look back and and doing their things, it's like her. it's very it's very one note. You know, yeah. What I'm and like uh, Elizabeth Taylor, you know, she, she she was probably one of the people that I actually throw in there based upon like she did a few things first of all, you know, who's afraid of a Virginia Wolf and then Cleopatra, have, two vastly different movies. You comedic actors making your list. Not to give besides, you... Besides Robin Williams? Yeah. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I had to, to throw my comedic actors at the bottom. Show them some but, but Robin Williams will show up in the next two weeks. All right, cool, 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 cool. Well, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to do this. I'm interested to see who your top five is. I'm interested to see who 10 through 6 is. I'm interested to see who 14 through It should be pretty is. pretty close to what you have in five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, next week, like I said, we're doing 19, 18, 17, 16, and 15. Gonna be Liddy. I'm excited. And then next week we're reviewing Nomadland and um, the Frank Brillo movie. Boss level. Boss level. So make sure y'all go watch Nomadland and Boss Level. We're going to be reviewing those. And then the following week, Falcon Winter Soldier. Just like we did WandaVision, you're going to get it a week later, but we're going to dive into it. And it's going to be before the new episode. So right before the new episode, listen to the review, watch the new episode, get hyped. And we may, depending on if I'm streaming or not, me and Schubert may do like early reactions, maybe not guaranteeing it. We may do it some weeks, depending on how big the episodes are. Yeah, well, also subject to change. If, if I, you know, get the money and to do it, I might en- end up getting Raya in The Last Dragon. True. 
Also, oh, so, announcement. Maybe something. Next, on, on March 26th, the next pitching match. The next pitching match between Ian Hawley and Peter McGinn from What Do You Say Anime, March 26th. It's going down. The promos for it all will start cranking up next week. Fight cards, interviews, it's all going to start cranking up. So be on the lookout for that. But that's all we got this week, Chuby. I'm excited for that match. Me and you are going to be on the call. I think Brooklyn mm-hmm. will be in the building, I think, depending on uh, – no, well, no, he won't be – he's going to be doing the pre pre uh pre-show interviews for for this he's gonna be doing some of the pre-show interviews he's gonna be on the next one because this one's on a friday night so it's gonna be me and you in the booth we're gonna have to figure out who that third judge is gonna be but i'm excited ian man are you what do you how you think ian's gonna show up he's been saying he's been studying what what do you think about this match let's just get our early thoughts well you know i know he's not an anime watcher so if he does draw an anime he's screwed um in the second round but Pete, but Pete is a slice of life anime guy, and if he doesn't play it, if it, look, <laughs> well, which, not, which could go over my head, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he better not anime, come pitch that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not a slice of life anime guy, and I you know how I feel I could, about that I, shit. But if it's I couldn't live name action, one slice of life, but but if it's live action, it could work. Yeah, because slice of life live actions are just American rom coms in America, like sad movies. So. My my biggest anime rom com is Sword Art Online. Like I said, oh, trash. <laughs> but that's all we got this week. You guys can follow me at Lindy WT. Follow the Bros Who Think. I Bros Who Think. If you haven't checked out the most recent episode of the Bros Who Think podcast, check that out. Me and Schubert talked about all the NFL news for this week. The we gave our midseason NBA awards. Me Doom in Brooklyn reviewed the new Drake's three pack. We talked about uh, the Tory Lanez project amongst a bunch of other stuff. Is is testing your game in a relationship, cheating. What about commenting on story photos? Like when people post a story and you comment on them in the DM, we talk about all that good shit. A new anime talk is out now, which people are loving. You got to check that out. We talk about which two mangaka we want to see work together. Uh, We review the latest episode of Jujutsu Kaisen and Attack on Titan. There's a new One Piece review out. And, okay, Black Klansman, run it back, dropping officially Friday. It's finally coming out. It'll be out Friday and be on the lookout for the next poll. There's going to be uh, some interesting movies in the next poll. Depending on how y'all vote, will determine the cast and crew that will be reviewing it. It'll either be me, Schubert, and Ian, or me, Schubert, and a special guest well, that, that's a, a new guy joining the network, which we haven't announced yet. Schubert, me and you are the only people that know in the network. Well, in Doom. Doom knows because he's our... He's our uh, He's our CFO, our chief uh, financial officer. He's our business guy. He has to know. But other than us three, we're the only people that know. Um, there we go. It's, it's, not, not, I don't think this is a show to announce that. Oh, no, we're not announcing that here, but we're just letting them know. Like, got something coming. It's big. So yeah. be on the lookout for all that. But that's all I got, Shuby. Yeah. So check out everything that's going on with the network. You know, not this time around, but maybe soon, soon down the line, we'll get a Mr. A talented Mr. Ripley on, on the list. And I hope you guys vote for that. And if you haven't seen that movie, I, I can't say more than you need to watch that movie. One of my best plane experiences, I'm flying from, from Paris to Detroit, coming back from a Europe trip. And the three movies I watched during that flight was the talented Mr. Ripley, The Shape of Water. Mm. What was the third one? Game Night. Mm. I, I bet it went talented Mr. Ripley number one, Game Night two, Shape of Water three. 
Well, that was the order it went in. Not I, I'm, like, the order as, that as in watch, that was that was the watch order. No, no, actually, I, I, probably so, but it's not because like I I hate Shape of Water. Shape like of I really I, I really enjoyed watching Shape of Water like so much so that when I when I could get the the sub five dollar movie at Target <laughs> on Black Friday, I, I picked it up. Oh, real? You must like it then. Okay. I have, yeah, I have the DVD of Shape of Water in my box right now. I'm real? All right, all right. Sure. I, I've, I've watched that movie, say, three times. Oh, geez. That's a lot. Oh, interesting. Okay. Three times is not a lot. That's a lot for watching Shape of Water. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's Oscar winning. That's what I'm saying. So when we talk next week about Nomadland, we're going to go through the list of Oscar winners and be like, you know, is this a movie that you can watch? It's a movie that you're never going to watch, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, because that's the case with some of these things. Like, you know, there's movies that are Oscar that winners like win. Crash, which, yeah, you know, Crash is a movie that, you know, is, is a fence. It's on the fence. Some people would be like, oh, Crash is a great movie. And some people would yeah. be like, well, I would never watch Crash. Hurt Locker. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to watch Hurt Locker, which I probably should. I've watched they, it. I don't think I'm watching it again. I don't know. Yeah. So, but then, like, we'll in, talk like, about it. Goodfellas and Casino, I'm watching over and over. Exactly. Yeah, and and so like, and then we we'll, we can even go into a commentary of what the the what the thought process of a good Oscar winner movie should be. But all right, that, all we'll, right. we'll save that for next week. So I hope everyone out there has a great week. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram with H over fourteen, um, and make sure you check out everything going on with the network, and to keep keep watching everything on streaming, and uh, as always. Stay safe out there and keep binging.